You're listening to How to Win with Mike Moore, the podcast that provides you with practical insights on how to win in every arena of life. Hello, I'm Mike Moore, and welcome to the How to Win podcast. These podcasts are based off 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. It says, now thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. We win in Christ. I want to welcome you to this leadership edition of How to Win. I am teaching leadership principles that will take your leadership to another level. I am certain of it. I believe that you're going to be blessed through this podcast today. Now, I began some time ago a series entitled Leading Yourself. Leading yourself is the first step to successfully leading others. And as I've said in prior times, it will be your most difficult challenge. If you learn to lead yourself, it'll be easier to lead others. Now, there are four parts to this series, to this theme, leading yourself. And we've completed part one. We were talking about personal awareness or self-awareness. Then I began the second part of this series, leading yourself, entitled Personal Integrity. And this is our fourth and final lesson on part two. This is part two of our series, Leading Yourself. Now, we've in our first lesson, we talked about integrity. What is it? In our second lesson, we talked about honesty. What is honesty? And then in our third lesson, we talked about power. And how do we master power? And how do we handle power with integrity? Well, in this final lesson, you know we have to talk about sex. We're going to talk. My subtopic is the sex trap. The sex trap. It is an unfortunate reality that sexual failure in leadership has been a major, major tool of the enemy, tool of Satan to destroy our influence. He uses sex. He wants us to fall in the sex trap. Our characters today will be David. He fell in it, and fortunately, he got out of it, the sex trap. And then Joseph, he avoided the sex trap trap. Now, let's begin by looking at David, and our scriptural text is 2 Samuel 11, the 11th chapter, verse 4, and I'll read it to the, in the New Living Translation, just one verse. It says, then David sent messengers to get her. Bathsheba was Uriah's wife. David being king, mismanaged his power. He saw this woman. He sent for her, even though he knew 
she was married to someone else. And when she came to the palace, the Bible says that he slept with her. He had sexual relations with another man's wife. So we're talking about the sex trap. When we look at the historical context, we see that David at this point is somewhere around 50 years old. He had been on the throne for 20, about 20 years. So he's not a novice. He has distinguished himself. Very powerful man. And we talked about power in our last lesson. Very powerful man. He had distinguished himself as a man of God. He had distinguished himself as a musician, as a composer, as a faithful shepherd. He had distinguished himself as a mighty warrior. And he had distinguished himself as a successful king. And at this point in his life, he got involved in a sexual scandal that had devastating consequences on his leadership, devastating consequences on his family, devastating consequences on his reign, devastating consequences on his nature. And this sex scandal was a huge reality story. We have reality TV. It was reality. It was a scandal of the highest order, and it involved adultery, a married woman getting pregnant by David. It involved cover-up, and it involved eventual murder and the death of the child. It just was horrendous, just horrendous. So when we look in this, because it's obvious that David fell into deception, and many leaders, unfortunately, fall into deception and end up in the sex trap. Years ago, I heard someone define deception, and I um, tried to internalize it. It basically said that de deception is when Satan has successfully cause people to ignore tomorrow's consequences by emphasizing today's delight. He has successfully, you're deceived, I'm deceived, we're deceived, for teaching purposes only, when Satan has successfully caused us to ignore tomorrow's consequences by emphasizing in our minds the, today's delight. And so sexual immorality has a delight quality to it. If it did not have a delight quality to it, people wouldn't fall in the sex trap. So when, you know, sometimes when, <coughs> pardon me, <coughs> sometimes when leaders fail, Sometimes people gossip about it. 
Some people laugh about it, but it's not a laughing matter. It's always a sad thing when leaders fall into sexual immorality. And um, I'm convinced that good people have fallen. I mean, good people. People who are genuinely called, genuinely gifted, genuinely have built their life, their ministry, their business, uh, 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 their position through integrity and then somehow fall in the sex trap. When When we evaluate David's life, there were at least four root causes of David's sin, his, his failure and his fall into the sex trap. I believe that uh, emotional and physical f- fatigue, I think he got tired. Sometimes we can get tired physically, tired emotionally, We don't have balance in our lives. We work, 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 work. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 11, 1 through 2, at the times when kings should go to war, David stayed at home in Jerusalem. Now, the Bible says that he came on the rooftop, and this was after a nap. He came on the rooftop in the late afternoon. I mean, it was late. It was late. I mean, there was daylight, but it was late. So why is he in the bed so long? I mean, think about it. He's just getting up from the bed, and it's in the afternoon here on the rooftop, I believe, you can become emotionally and, for, and physically fatigued and your guards can drop. I believe also there was a gradual erosion of integrity. You see, Satan spoon feeds individuals. Don't give you all of it at one time. Just give you a little spoonful. Just a little compromise here, a little compromise there, a little compromise. It may be just flirting in the beginning. It may be the way we looking at people over a period of time. It it can be spoon. uh, We can be spoon fed. The Bible says in 2 Samuel 5, 13, that David began to add more wives into his home. He already had wives, and he started adding more wives. I believe that was a gradual erosion of integrity. And then I, I think that he, he fell because of just lust. Bible says he came up on that rooftop, and if you study it out in different translations, he looked down on the rooftop, and a woman was bathing. And the Bible says, you read it in different translations, she was gorgeous. She was beautiful. I mean, absolutely beautiful to look upon. Now think about it. Here's a man who has multiple wives, and I'm quite sure that they were beautiful women. But he looked down and saw this woman, and she was gorgeous. 
So it's obvious if he got all these women and he look at her and he wants her, it's obvious that he yielded to lust. Lust. Emotional, physical fatigue, gradual erosion of integrity, lust. And then finally, because David was a man of God, we know that he got distracted from God's word. Sometimes you can be so engaged and serving and helping and working and doing and that. I don't believe that ministers fall just because they're bad people. I think sometimes ministers in particular, that's the world I came out of. I believe ministers fall in the sex trap because they get distracted from the word. You see, preparing sermons and preaching and teaching others is not the same thing as feeding your own spirit. It's not the same thing. It is not the same thing. So you can actually be serving people and starving your spirit at the same time, distracted from the word. You say, why do you think he became distracted from the word? Because the psalmist said in Psalms 119, verse 11, the psalmist said, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. So it's obviously that, obvious that he got distracted from the word. We're talking about falling into the sex trap. Let's talk about the early signs of an affair. I, I just believe something is going to be said today that's going to help you avoid the sex trap, help you to get out of the sex trap if you're already in it. But let's talk about the early signs of an affair. A growing, number one, a growing fascination with this other person a growing fascination with this other person is a sign of an affair, an early sign of an affair. Because when you, you need to be aware when she or he intrudes upon your thoughts, regularly intrudes upon your thoughts. This person, you're married, that person be married, but that person regularly intrudes on your thoughts. You may even be with your spouse, and that thought of that person regularly intrudes into your thought life. Another sign, early sign of affair, is you find yourself surfing the Internet, going through your phone, looking through Facebook, Instagram. You're, you're, you're constantly surfing the internet to see what is going on with the person. You're married, but you're surfing to see what's going on with this woman, this uh, man's wife, this, this, this husband. You, you're surfing the internet. A heightened sense of anticipation when you have an opportunity to be near the person or be with the person. You're really married to somebody else, but you get excited when you're going to see this person or be with this person. Early signs of an affair. A growing desire to confide in the person, to confide in them. You, you feel comfortable telling them intimate information about you 
and maybe your relationship with your spouse. An increased sense of responsibility for his or her happiness. You've assumed responsibility for the happiness of another man's wife, another woman's husband, is an early sign of an affair. Emotionally distancing from your own spouse. All of a sudden, you've been thinking about this person so much that you actually emotionally distancing from your own self. And listen, emotional adultery leads to physical adultery. Most of the time, people are not just jumping in the bed with somebody. There's a soul tie. There's a bonding emotionally that takes place that leads to physical intimacy. Let's talk now about the power of consistency. We talked about David. He fell into the trap. Let's talk about Joseph, the power of consistency. What is consistency? Consistency is harmony or agreement between what you do and say in public and what you do and say in private. Consistency. What you do and say in private is going to match what you do and say in public. You're headed for the sex trap when you're saying and doing stuff in private with him or her that you wouldn't do or say in public. Consistency is when who you are and who you appear to be are the same. Remember who you are is your integrity. Who you appear to be is your reputation. So when your reputation matches who you are in private, then that's consistency. Consistency, in a, to say it in a different way, is when our public self, our reputation, and our private self, our integrity match. God considers that wholeness. So let's look at some, some scriptures and let's see how Joseph was very consistent in his public and private life. Genesis 39, 6 through 8 in the New Living Translation, it says, Joseph was very handsome. He was a well-built young man, and Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come and sleep with me, she demanded, but Joseph refused. He was a slave in Potiphar's house, elevated through his faithfulness to God, his incredible work ethic and value system promoted, running Potiphar's household, and Potiphar's wife started looking lustfully at him, wanting him to sleep with her. Genesis 39.10, And it came to pass that she spoke to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. So we see that Joseph established boundaries with her. In private, that's what matters. That's what God sees. In private, Joseph would not listen to her, would not lie in bed next to her, would not spend any time alone with her because great leaders establish boundaries in their private lives. Now, listen at this. Joseph's choice to set boundaries and not sleep with Potiphar's wife 
was a product of a personal quality relationship with God. Joseph said to her, how could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. Genesis 39, 9. So Joseph recognized Joseph had a, a personal, intimate relationship with God and his desire and his actions to set boundaries and not sleep with this man's wife was because he had a personal quality relationship with God. Joseph recognized that God was in his private world. That's powerful. I said Joseph recognized that God was in his private world. And guess what, leader? God is in your private world, not just when you're out in front, not when you're on the stage, not when you're leading the meeting, not when you're in the pulpit. No, no, no. God is in your private world. Hebrews 4.13 in the New Living Translation says, nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are accountable. Joseph's private world and his public world was a match. That's consistency. Here's something Michael Caine, and I'll close in a moment. Here's something that Michael Kinnick, pardon me, Michael Kinnick in his book, Ruthless Consistency. He said this, when we operate in inconsistency, we send mixed messages. When we send mixed messages, we confuse people demotivate them and kill our credibility. Once we kill our credibility, people will not listen to us. And even if they listen, they will not believe we're, what we're saying is real. That is so true. So as I close today, I want to give you three keys to avoiding and escaping the sex trap. Number one, to avoid the sex trap, leader, you have to have a heart filled with God's word. Again, Psalms 119.11, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Fill your heart with God's word. Don't just work and serve and work and lead in meetings after meetings and preaching and teaching and doing this and doing that. No. Carve out time to spend with God. Carve out time to feed your spirit. Listen, carve out time to pray. Spend time with God. A heart filled with the word will keep you out of the sex trap. Number two, boundaries. You have to set boundaries in your private life. Don't do or say things in your private life that you will not do or say in public. Don't do or say things in your private world that you will not do or say in front of your spouse. Boundaries, that's the second key. And then the third key is dependency on the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you if you're a believer. So ask him 
the Holy Spirit, to show you what Satan is doing. Ask him, the Holy Spirit, to lead you in your spirit and show you the way of escape. You see, the Bible says that any temptation that comes your way, God will always provide a way of escape. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There has no temptation taken you, but such is common to man. But God is faithful. He'll not allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation provide a way of escape. Every time a temptation comes your way, there is a way of escape. So ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your spirit. Ask him to show you the way of escape. You may feel like I can't get out of this. I can't help this. I got to listen. I'm trapped. No, 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 no. There's a way of escape. Ask the Holy Spirit to guide you in your spirit. Ask him to show you the way of escape. And then finally, ask the Holy Spirit to strengthen you and give you more grace. Years ago, many years Many years ago, I was so tempted. I'm a pastor. I've been pastoring for uh, a few, several years. I've been a pastor for several years. Now, I pastored for 30, uh, 42 years and eight months. So this had to be at least 30 years ago, maybe 30 years ago. Man, I was struggling with my flesh. I was tempted to have sex. I wanted some sex. I wanted to I wanted to do some crazy stuff. And I went to the Lord about it and I said, Now Lord, I'm struggling. I am struggling. I am struggling. See, I wasn't playing death integrity. I went to him and I said, Now listen, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. And the Spirit of God said this to me. Ask me for more grace. Ask me for more grace. Ask me. Isn't that something? I I didn't know that was in the Bible. That's over in James chapter 4. He gives more grace. I didn't know that was in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit always leads you in line with the Scripture. God didn't reprimand me. He didn't say, you shouldn't be tempted. You just, you a preacher, you spirit-filled. You should, no, he didn't reprimand me at all. He didn't, because I came to him. I said, Lord, I'm listen, I'm struggling with this. I don't want to do it, but I'm struggling. Well, part of me wanted to do it. I'll be honest with you, part of me wanted to do it. But I went to the Lord, and I said, now listen, listen, I'm struggling with this. And he said, he didn't reprimand me for being tempted. He said, ask me for more grace. And I did. I said, God, give me more grace. Help me to deal with this. And guess what? I can't tell you how. I don't, can't tell you why I got the strength from. But he gave me the strength to resist and overcome that temptation. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. He gave me the grace. And guess what? He'll give you the grace too. Listen, I'm out of time. I'm out of time. We're talking about our personal integrity. And we've talked about personal uh uh, self-awareness, and we've talked about personal integrity. Listen, we gonna, we got two more areas that we're going to talk about, but we're out of time now. Listen, I love you. Thank you for taking this long, this journey, this leadership journey with me. I appreciate it so much, very much. And I trust that God is saying something to you. He's helping you. I know he's helping me. When I teach you, he helps me as well. I love you, and I pray that you have a great day. Uh, rest of the week, and I'll see you next time.